0: Welcome to Soberish. The sorry this is three days late, but now you get to listen to me unpack whether or not I'm a lesbian again podcast. I'm Jessa. I'm here with Tess. She's going to help me unpack this right now. Yeah, we're going to
1: unpack your sexuality, Jessa. Conversation. I was
0: definitely, this is why the shit, like the idea of like binary one or the other is so fucked up mm-hmm. because I really think that this is like how everything got so confusing for me. Mm-hmm. And it's a running joke that like maybe my Twitter is just one day going to be like a coffee table book of a woman's journey to realizing that she's just a full blown lesbian, you know? But I don't, uh, all my first sexual experiences were, were women, like girls, mm-hmm. like we were young. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember being attracted to boys. I guess I do remember kind of having a crush on a couple boys in 5th grade, but it was all rejection based. If I look back, it was a it was a runner chaser dynamic. Like you were the chaser? It was activation, yeah. And it was like nothing. It was just actually they were all gay. Like okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. right?
1: They were all they all turned out to be gay men. I only ever have a thing for at least bisexual men.
0: Like, they had no interest in me and had no idea that I existed. Like, they were, like, intense crushes. And hold on, I am fucking freaking out right now. <laughs> There's this one guy, Tyr Simak. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. His I name would, was like, Tyr? Tyr, T-Y-R. And I was, like, a fucking obsessed with him. He has had no idea that I existed. And then he was definitely gay. <laughs> there was a boy that I went out with john something i'm just gonna fully name everybody <laughs> john kaczynski that we were boyfriend and girlfriend for a couple minutes how do you and remember then, all these names i don't know these are like popping up wow. i haven't thought about this john guy in a while but then he broke up i broke up with him and hurt his feelings and then i spent the whole rest of eighth grade like pining over him trying to get him back pretty sure he ended up being gay and then just like tons of crushes with guys who never knew i existed all gay um, okay. So there's something, right? So there's, there's cause I'm like, what is attachment system? What is actual love? What is any mm-hmm. of this? Now I am attracted to women. Like if I'm out in public,
1: you're checking out women or very tall men. Okay. Like how tall do they have to be for you to like be over six one. Okay. okay. But like,
0: but like a six, five guy, I'm like, yes.
1: That's interesting. That's I a do- very like socialized power symbol
0: i think it's because i get to feel small you know oh. i'm eleven, and yeah. i just like live my life i you know not like <laughs> i'm the tallest woman on the planet yeah but, just... but you
1: always feel like not tiny yeah okay yeah so uh
0: but that also could be it's interesting
1: that you want to feel small
0: yeah that's a. that's another that's whole an interesting thing to unpack thing because mm-hmm. that's
1: like a big like dynamic uh, between women like some women won't date a woman that is taller than her or because uh, they want to feel bigger so a lot of women will like absolutely know they cannot be taller than me because i have to feel bigger than you and now with women
0: how do you oh, that's not true i i think i could i think i am like any which way with women <laughs> I like the idea of being the bigger
1: one. Yeah, but okay. You like being bigger. Yeah,
0: but I have a couple of friends that are like six feet that I am extremely attracted to. So, um I could do uh, the variety of women that I'm attracted to is so much bigger than the variety of men.
1: So with men you want to feel small. Men
0: I have to be in love otherwise I lose interest pretty quickly. Okay. And women I've I've just never fallen in love with a woman. Mm-hmm. It's just like when I fall in love it's immediate and it's like a soul connection and it's like I know I know exactly like we're going like we're doing this. And I've just never had that I've had it happen a few times in my life and I've just never had it happen with a woman. Hmm. So dating everyone else is just always this kind of like, well, I guess you could be, 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 and I know like it's nothing. <laughs> it's just like I lose interest in a couple months. They lose interest. I don't give a fuck that they lost interest. It's just like whatever. yeah Most of my dating experiences fizzle out to friendship, which is my, that's if you want to know how to have friendships with people of the opposite sex, just do what I do. Meet them on Tinder, date them for a month to three months, and then, like you know, become friends. Like that's how you get rid of all that weird. Are they cool with what being it friends should've? after? Yeah, I don't think anyone gives a shit. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Um, dating me is not.
1: And they're not super trying. Romantic. Like I've tried to stay friends with men that I've slept with, and it never the like the 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 pursuit or like the hope that it will turn into sex again like never goes away, which is why like it just. It just becomes annoying. Like you spend two, you hang out with them twice, and then they're like, "Okay, like we're gonna bone."
0: Yeah, I don't fuck anybody. So uh, <laughs>
1: oh, so you just see? Yeah, them.
0: and like they're like, "I've had twelve blowjobs from you. It's enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we did it. It's good." <laughs> Uh, I think they see all the other stuff that comes with the blowjobs and they're like, it's it's fine. It's fine. We don't have to do this. I don't actually... I don't know. Is it? There's like a slight tension, I don't know, maybe in the background. I'm such a mess. Like, I'm such a mess. I have no idea what's happening. I'm just now trying to figure it out. But what I want to get into here is programming. Because uh, my first couple sexual experiences were with... And now, so this is... I think I started having sexual experiences with girls. I mean, I was sexually abused. And so maybe this is why it was so young, but it mm-hmm. was like, I think like 11, you know, we'd be like playing house and you play the daddy and I play the mommy. And then yeah. it gets a little, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then I did that with a girl. I was, I, there were several girls where that was kind of like, it just is like what playing house was turning into. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, a friend and I did it and I don't know, maybe I like read the room wrong or something. <laughs> she seemed really into it. But then the next day I got to school and everyone was making fun of me for being a lesbian.
1: I see. And this
0: is fucking, this is the eighties.
1: When you say right? like, like the that 90s, was kind 80s. of va- like I don't want to trigger you, but like those kind of a vague reference. Like, did you guys, we're just like dry humping. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And
0: like, we're young. I mean, we're like 11,
1: you know, um, and then she told people and made it seem like. Seemed like it was me. You. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I want to say on that one, uh, it was mutual and maybe she got, she was ashamed or yeah. whatever. Because yeah. I don't, I'm not much of a pers- you know, I've got rejection issues. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You. I don't come on strong. I'm yeah. pretty
0: like manipulated. Like I'm pretty much like put it down on the table that you pick it up. So
1: yeah. It sounds like she felt shame and then wanted to dump it. Yeah, Bye.
0: and this was just like what that... This is like the end of fifth grade. And so it's yeah. just like what fifth grade was for me, right? So uh,
1: a lot of shame and guilt there
0: and a lot of, I'm not a le- like, I'm not a lesbian. I'm not a lesbian. Because this is like, this is the fucking 80s. This has got to be like 89 or something. Yeah. So I just... The social, like, norms and shit were just like, this just wasn't acceptable. I yeah. don't know. And I didn't know what... I didn't know myself enough to be like, this is who I am. Like, mm-hmm. my 10 year old has already come out of the closet. Yeah. But she just fucking knows who she is. And she's just as like, I'm gay.
1: Non binary or as gay?
0: Non binary. And she's like, if I ever do date boys, it'll be because I'm bi, but I'm definitely, I think I just like women. Hmm. And she's not even like sexual yet. Yeah. She's just like, I don't, like, I, she just already knows who she is. And she's just like, I'm, I'm gay. And uh, she comes out of the closet like every three weeks, and it's really funny. So I'm like, I, I know, honey. Twice, yeah. I'm happy for you. That's great. It's, I'm excited. <laughs> That's so cute. I'm just gay. I'm gonna tell him in school that I'm gay, and I'm like, I love it. I can't wait for that email. <laughs> um, but this wasn't that. You know, I like I didn't know myself well enough. My whole life at this point was just like reeling from trauma and trying to fit in somewhere and fitting in nowhere. I also had just been like, just moved to this place because I'd been sexually abused. And so I'm trying to like unpack this particular childhood trauma because I, um I think I just was denying, I was denying the thing that was embarrassing
1: mm-hmm.
0: and everything around sex was very shame based for me, which I'm sure you can relate to oh, being yeah.
1: ex-Mormon. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I didn't have a sexuality until I was, uh, married. Fuck. Yeah. Like I, n- I never touched myself. I never did. I never did anything. I never thought you about How old you got sex. married? Twenty, two, 22. Wow. Wait, maybe 23. Yeah. 23. Yeah. And I, I still wouldn't touch myself until like really after we got like until after we split up. Yeah, that's so
0: interesting. I don't think I I didn't masturbate until after I was married, but yeah. I got married as a teenager and then it was um and then it was on.
1: <laughs> I, and I and I like I well something interesting is that I knew that I was like a tomboy. I knew that I like growing up I was like one of the one of the boys gr- like playing yeah. as a kid and um and so being Mormon, like, and my mom wanting something very different for me, like, it was very clear, like, very clear messages that that wasn't okay. And so... Then at some point, like uh, puberty hit or something. And I remember saying like someone like Josh Hartnett from Pearl Harbor was hot, mostly because I knew like I could finally see like something triggered and it took me puberty, but I'd have been having crushes on like my, me and my cousin, my boy cousin would have crushes on the same girls at school. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, we would like kind of be competing. And like when I would play soccer with the boys, like I would think the girls were like cheering for me. like like oh they have like they like me kind of thing um and girls would always all throughout my life girls have always flirted with me especially very feminine girls will like be flirty they would behave with me the same way that they would with the boys and so but i knew that this was not okay so my sister i said like this guy was hot and my sister was like oh, what did you say? That's so exciting. Mom's going to be so happy. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, mom was scared you were going to be a lesbian. And I'm like, what is that? She's like, girls who like girls. And I was like, oh yeah, no, no, that's uh, (laughs) a, no, yuck. And so from there, I just, uh, I just, I found, I chose to find women repulsive so I, I okay. thought women yeah. were disgusting, like hated. Uh, when girls would say like women's bodies were beautiful and things, I was like, "That's they're disgusting. Hated my own body, like unfortunately grew into a very feminine body and like I had an eating disorder to get rid of my curves and like I just, I hated, I hated everything about femininity. It's so crazy how just like in a second... Yes your entire
0: programming shifts around the impression of what someone outside of you wants. This is why the programming of children is so, I don't want to say insidious right now, which isn't really it, but like the shit that we are unpacking fucking four decades later, four decades later for me, (laughs) is is the result of unconscious parenting. It's unconscious existence because like now I'm trying to get back to who was that? You know, I'm this now. Yeah. But like who was that? Because then at like twelve years old is the Stacy girl that I talk about in my comedy, but I also uh I know I've talked about her own Mormon and the Meth head. Stacy and I had a thing going for a while. And Stacy's like Stacy had like boobs and pubes and shit that like my <laughs> boobs body and b- boobs. did not have yet. Still doesn't have boobs. <laughs> and um she she was very like sexual and self-assured and popular and nobody knew who I was or gave a shit. And she just like loved me. And we had this like fun, like relationship. we go like shoplift and then we come back and then just this crazy, passionate hooking up. This is junior high passionate, like hooking up, like hook, like, You know, and she's like teaching me how to do everything. Like I don't, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm traumatized. So like now I can look back and be like, I was like frozen and didn't know what to do, and it all felt so good. And like the passion, like the chemistry I felt with her, nothing with a boy up until this point. And uh, I think like I couldn't wait to be around her, and like I just felt exhilarated when I was Mm -hmm. around her. Like I can feel it when I'm talking about it. And then one day I get there and she's like, I have a boyfriend now. This is his friend, Josh. You're going to make out with Josh. And I remember guilt, shame. I was grossed out. Like I was grossed out making it. And I was like, now I I can identify that as deactivation, which happens to me when I try to have like... I could hook up with people, but if I try to have sex with someone I'm not in love with, I deactivate real hard. And I'm like, Oh, you're the ugliest thing I've ever like, what am I doing?
1: Yeah. I get like repulsed.
0: Yeah. I'm like, I just, I want them to disappear and never Mm -hmm. come back. And, um, but my heart was broken over her. And then I think I tried to get her to hook up again. And she was just like onto boys. And and then that really, if I go back and search, I think that's really where I got the message that like, this isn't the right thing to do. Like this is never going to go anywhere. I'm only going to get hurt doing this. And I just stopped. Like, I just was like, I'm straight Mm -hmm. now. And then had, um, I didn't have sex for a couple more years after that. But every single encounter with dudes was like, was like uh, me getting, like me thinking a guy likes me and then he pressures me into some shit and then I do it and I hate, like I feel awful afterwards. And this was just like what I did for years until I like fell in love and, and married the first like boyfriend I ever had as a teenager
1: did you feel the same way about him that you did with the the girls?
0: Yes, now I was in love with him like i f- I know I'm in love within like twenty four hours yeah, so I was immediately in love with him. I went home I was like, i'm gonna marry him and uh i that it was different than what I felt for her, mm-hmm. you know this is like extreme attract i mean like whatever i was. Yeah. 12. So, um, at this time I was at the ripe age of 15.
1: Um, so much older and wiser. I really knew myself. I'd really like grown into myself. I was like three years wiser, (laughs) but
0: these are the things that are so interesting that come up in people's readings and stuff, because it's like trying to get back to that essence of who you are. It's like one experience when you're young, you just like a, a switch flips. And then, you know, the joke in the stand-up is, have you ever had your heart so broken that you convince yourself you're straight for 25 years? And I think I've known, like, I wasn't straight. I don't know. I remember reading when I was, like, 16 that looking at other women's bodies was actually good for your self-esteem, hmm. that it actually doesn't take away from your self-esteem. It, it, like, adds to it. And I remember kind of using that as a justification to spend a lot of time looking, looking at, at, like naked women interesting um I definitely am physically attracted to women more than
1: men and that's yeah see that's what's so interesting is just because I still like if I see a beautiful woman I want to be like near her I do not sexualize her at all. Like I don't think about her like without clothes on. I I just want to be like closer and I like want her to talk to me and like I just want to like see like her soul and it's like so gross and cheesy. And then if it's a man – he could be like walking down the beach and I will like, completely sexualize him. Like, God, that's am just, just like,
0: trauma? Is that my broken heart over Stacy just
1: making me well, yeah, but, lost after every woman? I don't know. Cause like, and that's where I, like, I feel confused too by my sexual attraction to men because I don't like, I, I could like see them. And like the first time, like I'll be like, I'm not like, I don't want to have sex with them, but like, I'm just like sexualizing them so much. And then the moment that it comes to like, they start to feel emotionally connected. I'm like, go like, I don't <laughs> like, please no And, and, and then like the only times that I've felt powerfully attracted to a man is actually, it's weird. There's like, a like there's a magic number with like 42, any like person that is like older than me, I'll know that they're going to be significant because they're 42 years old.
0: Well, that's wild.
1: Uh, Yeah. And like, uh, when I first listened to your podcast, you were like, you were 42. And I was like, and I was like, oh, this person will be significant.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah. I'm 42 for three more weeks. (laughs) Am I 42 right now
1: or am I 43?
0: I'm 42.
1: But yeah, the men that I've met, they are wise. They're intense. They have a lot to teach me. And I feel obsessed with like impressing them with knowing them with them teaching me things. And I just like, and I don't know, I think it might just be daddy issues. Like, like I have them, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, the, the moment that they show any interest in me, the moment that they show display emotional vulnerability, I am, I don't want to say repulsed cause it's like very extreme, but like, I don't, I don't want to hold that for them. I don't want to hold that space uh, for them the moment that I might have to hold like uh, intimacy with them.
0: That's really interesting. I've also never, you know, I've been in love a few times and it's all like kind of been a runner chaser dynamic. Kind of, I don't know. I feel like a couple couple of them were not supposed to be a runner chaser dynamic Mm -hmm. and I created that. This last one definitely was. But I really only fall for people if I feel like our souls are somehow connected. You know what I mean? It has to feel like some deep we're not getting out of this until we play through kind of dynamic and everything else just fizzles. And it fizzles with men and women. So it just has never happened with a woman, but... um, It
1: seems like there's this... It seems like as long as I've known you, like the topic comes up a lot. Like it's this thing that feels hard to let go of. Like this thing that feels like it's significant. And I don't know if... Like for me, um, being more open to like androgyny a little bit, like the blending of masculine and feminine, has helped me realize that maybe I am just like gay or bisexual, but like homo romantic, right? right? Uh, Like I'm maybe I'm only gonna be in love with women, but there's like this important exploration of masculinity and femininity within this, like, shell. Yeah. Uh, So for you, and so I guess I say that just because, like, it was so hard for me for a long time to be sexually attracted to men and sexualizing them and wanting to have sex with them and then never being able to have feelings for them. Like, it was so confusing. Uh, And falling in love with women that sometimes I wasn't even uh, that attracted to.
0: So here's my question though, because I I feel like, I feel like what if love isn't what we think it is? Yeah. What if love is just karma Mm -hmm. and now I'm going to have a bunch of people being like, my love is different. Okay, (laughs) fine. Put that aside. (laughs) What if those of us who spend our, like, for me, love is never some companionship. Like every single love relationship I've ever had has like changed the course of my life. It's, it's, it's change the essence of who I am. I, you know, like I had that 10 year marriage with somebody who was just like a life partner. I'm not talking about that yeah, because I don't even like when you line that up against these like insane love experiences I've had, I wouldn't even count that. We were like business partners, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm not talking about some, you know, you've been married for 20 years. I'm not talking about this, but like, what if a lot of this love that these like short, you know, three to five year relationships that we have throughout our life. I'm also not talking about these short dating. I don't even count like people I date for a couple of months. It's just like, no. yeah, we were just hanging out, yeah. you know? But these like these loves in our life, what if that is just school? Like what if that is just like working out a loop or working out karma or figuring out a thing about yourself? And if the thing that I'm trying to work out is you know has something to do with my dad or is like a is a masculine cuz these these relationships where you feel more comfortable in love are they balanced Not relationships
1: always. no um one i would say like the the two like most intense loves i've felt one i was very much playing the masculine and one i was very much playing the feminine like it it was almost like for me like my what i think about love is that I have noticed that I very much adopt a lot of that person like during that time period. Yeah. And so like kind of what you've said about the blueprinting, like you take on that um certain elements of that person, but even more so, they seem to act like the the, the people that have felt really significant in my life have activated something in me that doesn't go away like and it's an awareness that it exists within so it's almost like they have this thing to give me um I think I see that like for me love is very much like there's something that you have that I need to access I and I adore it and I need to be around it more
0: do you find out later that those are your qualities? And then, that's then I a find out later. Just yeah. Had.
1: And yeah. And then I find out later. Uh when I I think one of the reasons why I fall out of love or like it kind of fizzles out is because I it's that moment where I recognize, like, oh shit, like I have this and I don't have to like rely on this person for this thing. Now, I don't know because like we talked about like like narcissistic relationships and uh, I've always been a little bit subject to like vampirism and, and so I don't know if it's always true. Like if I still have a feeling for a person, there's only been ever one person really where like I don't let go. Like I don't flip a switch. Right. And so I don't know if that's like that I, that I don't know. Remember when I said to you like, it's annoying that I don't have as much fun without this person. Yeah. And usually like I can be like, Oh, like it's okay. Like I'm, I have these attributes and I can move on. And it's, it's like annoying that I can't feel like I'm better off by myself than if this person was activating certain things inside of me. And it's like, I know that I have it. I know that it's in within me, but I like haven't accessed it yet. It's like this, 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 key that I haven't quite flipped in myself, but I like I know that they're just there to mirror that back to me. Right. I I don't know how to like take it on.
0: It's a process to get there. Yeah. This was the first this last breakup was the first time that I wasn't just over it in 30 days. mm mm-hmm. And uh, I think part of the reason that I wasn't just over it in 30 days was because what I usually do is just wipe you out of my reality. I mm-hmm. just move across the country. Another thing that I have to like, my rela- like love relationships take the exact same path, which is like some crazy insane connection at the beginning and then either they deactivate or I project a deactivation on them. And then uh, I get lost in anxious preoccupied attachment, which I hate. I'm so ashamed of it. I'm clingy. And I'm like, I hate myself for being clingy, but I put them on a pedestal and I worship their qualities that are my fucking qualities, Mm -hmm. which I did not realize until I made a list. I was like, made a lot of lists this month of like, (laughs) what is it that you want? What is it that you're attracted to? What are these loops that you're in? But then they just, they take me for granted. I give them a bunch of love. I worship them. And then uh, you know, I'm none of the things that they were probably originally attracted to because, you know, they were probably attracted to this marches to the beat of her own drummer. Yeah. And like, I probably didn't seem like someone who was going to worship them. They all have low self-esteem, so it doesn't resonate that I'm like worshiping them. And then, uh, but I'm just like, like typically in unconsciousness, just lost in this, just my whole life is ruined in this relationship and then I just cut my foot off to escape the trap and I bail across the country and I just start a new life as if they don't exist now I haven't done this since social media mm-hmm. existed this is the first time that I had to do this but yeah. well I left that wound open for you know like nine months working together after we broke up whatever seven months
1: mm-hmm
0: and it was better. Like I was making progress, but I had never had to work that hard to like fall out of love. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we went no contact and, you know, and I was fine within three weeks and a lot of work had been laid before that, you know, but there was like, I was, I was in full acceptance within a few weeks, but that loop is undeniable. Now before this one, all the rest of them, eventually once I was over it, they showed up on my doorstep. I don't think this one's going to do that, but like, Um, That was the loop. And then you can trace that back to my dad who bears a striking resemblance to uh, Hmm. them, you know, uh, young dad. Um, My dad leaving me with my mom when I was five, which was like not out of being a shitty dad. It was, you know, because I asked to go live with my mom. But then I think I immediately didn't understand that that's who my mom was. Mm -hmm. And uh, now it's like I can't, I can't, believe that someone loves me until they've moved across the country to be with me
1: that's really interesting mostly just because like in doing energy work the thing like I've almost gotten to the point where it's like I could look like I, I can like unravel this for you but like let's just talk about your relationship with your parents because yeah it's it's honestly everything. it's gonna be the framework for like what we're gonna unravel because we're gonna like the way I like to approach energy work is that, like, I can look at all of your traumas, but, like, I don't really have to. Uh, I used to do that, and it just became, like, so fatiguing that – and it was just, like, cleaning out a lot of, of gunk, and I wasn't necessarily re- – Right. It's like
0: clutter compared to the relationship yeah. with the parents.
1: Well, and and not even so much that, but, like, what I've realized is, like, the the mother that is portrayed, that is interpreted as a child – Like the mother that you interpret uh, as a child and the father that you interpret as a child are going to represent the same way that you mother and father yourself. So fuck. (laughs) So the mother that you have, uh, and the father, that that's how you're, that is, that is your framework. Like we have this tiny little world and universe around us. That is our training ground. It's the story. It's the script that we start with and we have to identify what this small framework is that we're working with. So then we can throw out that script and I can show them in their subconscious that they actually have a completely different script. But that first script is let's say uh, that I'm uh, working with someone and their parents are distant and avoidant, well, she's going to struggle with processing grief because she has no internal parents. So she has no way to cope. There's no one to hold her as the mother, the feminine, and there's no one to take her hand and lead her and support her in a way of giving her advice and guidance as a masculine. Uh, And so that's also kind of like, that's going to become... Our manifestation of femininity and masculinity, like our relationship with that. So, mom and dad, uh, also ironically, like father, our father, the way that we see our father is often how we project. Uh, if we have like a Christian religion or whatever religion we have, like that's kind of how we visualize God as well, um, and God being again like the eternal masculine. So, the way that the the parent, the experience you have with your parents. Like, I can look at it. I can, like, dig in. I can look at specific traumas, but realistically, I can see very much where things are gonna fall through the gaps if you had a hypercritical mom and an emotionally distant but kind father. I'm gonna know that you are probably hypercritical of yourself and that when things go bad, You probably don't soothe or hold yourself or tell yourself compliments. You probably go into a hypercritical place. And when you need to father yourself, you probably become a little bit more, instead of coming, showing up for yourself and saying motivational phrases and providing for yourself, you probably become stoic emotionally. Uh, Wow. (laughs) So the way that you're talking about this, where you're reliving this loop, like to an eerie level with your father, it's interesting because it sounds like you are stuck in this pattern where there's this dad. And And what I say is that until we unravel this pattern, you are going to keep, I can clear your past. I can't clear your future.
0: Right. Well, I think that this is where consciousness comes yeah, in exactly. because I identified this loop, the, the other loop. And I don't know if I've talked about this on Soberish. So I'm sure I have. But the loops that I identified on Mormon and the meth head is the other thing I look for is like innocent, indoctrinated men. Mm-hmm. And not just because it's hot to teach them filthy things, but because um, I don't fit. They're very programmed with this idea of what the correct kind of woman is. Mm. And I don't fit that. And um, now, wh- I, I was the other day that just just occurred to me because I date people that are younger than me. Yeah. Like I don't resonate with anyone my age. Also everyone my age is dating women younger than them. (laughs) So we don't even match. But like I was trying to put my finger on it because I was like, what is it? I do just resonate more with people. And what it is, is that like millennials, like, I don't know, like mid thirties down, Mm -hmm. you know, they are attracted to the new definition of femininity, which is like powerful, strong, independent, when I was growing up, that was not the definition of no. feminine we yeah. got called feminazis, and like we you know mm-hmm. we uh Bra burners yeah, and like i was i was a, I don't tomboy always felt outdoorsy to me, but like mm-hmm. I wore sagging cross colors and giant t-shirts I never wore i wore heels like three times in my entire life. it's an oppressive thing to me. I don't <laughs> understand it. I refuse to fucking participate yeah. in it. I seem kind of feminine now, but like if it takes more than 5 minutes to get any of this ready, I'm like no thanks. Um <laughs> uh, not that that's what femininity is, but that's what femininity mm-hmm. was defined as when I was like in this age where it was all looking we saw pretty was for women.
1: men. It wasn't looking pretty for yourself. Yes, it was looking exactly. pretty for someone else. And they wanted
0: you to be dainty and soft-spoken mm-hmm. and not funny. We didn't want women to be funny. Like all these things now that are like Men in millennials and and Generation Z, they're attracted to these, to these, this new feminine. But that's, it was this
1: gross, like. Well, I experienced that on my mission because I served a Mormon mission. Oh, yeah. And that's how it was. Like, I did not fit in there because it was just like, just, you would just smile. Like, it was just like, just smile and say yes to like the most bullshit things that they would say to you. And it was just like toxic misogyny because I was in Brazil And it's just a very patriarchal society and just like misogyny, like just insulting women right to our face. And we just have to laugh. It was just like laugh, laugh and smile and giggle. And I was like, this is, and I would just see it in all the, like all the women. And it was just so weird. It was just. It's wild to unpack
0: now because things have shifted so fast. Yes that like people, like I'm still like finding it inside of me because it never really, I kind of had like, well, fuck you guys attitude, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really. You know, what I've learned is like I built a pretty tough exterior, but like all of that stuff did affect me and it Mm -hmm. did hurt me. And there is a deep belief that I'm not the right kind of woman. And I do seek out men that will mirror that back to me. So I seek out indoctrinated innocent oh, men
1: you seek the rejection
0: I mean I don't see that these are the these are the sole connections I've had is two mm-hmm. pastors kids and an ex-mormon
1: that's really interesting actually
0: and it has just this kind of uh like I'm not the, their definition of and it's been in like varying degrees you know because like one of them straight up said it you know yes one of them didn't but it felt like it was there one of them was seemed cool with it whatever But, um, we trace that back to, I got molested by an intense Christian. I don't know if he's a pastor or what he was something at his church, but he used Christianity and how like wrong side of the tracks I was to keep me quiet, you know? So every time he was doing something to me and I would like recoil, he's like, you're so gross. Like, why doesn't your mom take care of you? Like, you're so, um, you know, like like implied that God was disgusted by me and like I wasn't yeah. like good enough or whatever. And um, so that's another loop. So you got this loop where I'm finding indoctrinated people because like, I'm not from that and then getting them to reject me for not being the right kind of woman. And then you have this loop where I... Um, I run away across the country and, like, I don't believe that you love me until you chase me. Then once they chase me, I'm fucking done. You know what I mean? Because if it's out of my sight, I just disconnect.
1: So if I can ask a question, and I really, like, should ask this of myself too, but, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about, like, the, the outside story that's going on around us, right? Like, a lot of characters. But on an internal level, how do you mother or father yourself? Like, how do you self-soothe? How do you cope? There's something
0: to just figuring out what the loop is and observing it. Because I found both of those and you the did. desire to re... I did, Yeah, I identified them. Yeah. It was wild to figure out that it was my dad because I'll tell you that all my trauma was my mom. You yeah. You know? Yeah. Because... Dun, dun, dun. I put my dad on a fucking pedestal. Pedestal. Okay. For having all of my qualities yeah like i i looked up to my dad when i was a kid and i think what happened was i looked up to my dad and i thought i'm unwanted like there's something wrong with me that's why he didn't want me Hmm. and he totally wanted me he just thought i wanted to live with my mom Hmm. and so kind of a big misunderstanding but i um but then I never saw that because I did know, I knew the story. I knew the adult version of the story that I asked to go live with my mom. And I, you know, it took a lot of unpacking to be like, Oh, but I didn't like, I didn't understand who she was or I was five. So I didn't understand that that meant no dad. You yeah. know what I mean? I didn't understand that they lived 3000 miles away from each other. I didn't understand that I was going to be separated from the only parent I had known. Cause she was gone. She left when I was young, two or three or something. And so I hadn't seen her in a couple of years. You might as well have never seen her and um and then she was scratchy and mean and you know and so when you get to the mom thing and i wonder if like if this is why i've never you know am i like traumatically reenacting loops around men uh and i'm going to graduate from that and then go traumatically reenact loops around my mom who knows but like um my mom was mean and did not want me. And like now she's an adult and we're like I, I did want you but like I didn't know that when I was a kid. Like I'm going to say it can be the impression she was on drugs so she, and her mom was a fucking nightmare.
1: That's kind of what happened with the women that you like too. Mhm. Like you became vulnerable with them and then they embarrassed you.
0: Yeah. Fuck. Oh, maybe I'm just not capable of being vulnerable no. with women. No. I mean, mean, not not capable, but maybe that's the the block.
1: Yeah, like it it sounds like... Well, and this is where I don't know where the chicken and the egg kind of happens because what I've started to notice is that like our story matches our pattern or our pattern matches our story. And it's like, it's hard to know when it all began because like, for example, you have these feelings for girls, you start to be vulnerable and then they shame you and make you embarrassed. And like... With your mom, that cycle then repeats like later, like later on, like even later, later on, like you reconnect with your mom and then you're like, uh like it, it's still scratchy, right? Like,
0: yeah. I mean, she's a harmless now and, yeah. and we get a lot and the dynamic is quite different, but as far as like nurturing yourself, that's something that I just recently learned, like yeah. in this breakup, like it was the first time that I was like, you have feelings and these feelings are going to hurt and we're going to take you. Ordinarily, I just like shame myself for not immediately being over things. And Would, you that, know, be
1: a, would that be a, your mom?
0: Mom, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So my dad was very nurturing and kind. It's just like he didn't have enough influence after I moved in with my mom. But my mom was like, what are you crying about? You know, it was, the, it was also just that, fucking generate sometimes i want to talk shit about boomers and stuff but then just being x generation it's like we had such a harsh parenting style mm-hmm. like towards us and it was so much worse for the boomers that it's yeah. like yeah i mean i know that they're like p- telling you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps but like they, they were, were like they hit. were so not nurtured they were yeah. hit and like yeah, so it was like I'll give you something to cry about, like mm-hmm. reasons for crying, and you know I recently came out as a Pisces. I was uh, claimed <laughs> I was Aquarius for a really long time because <laughs> I was very ashamed of it, and it's been very liberating in the last six months to be like, actually, I'm highly sensitive. I'm very sensitive. I feel absolutely everything, and I trained my avatar to just like not, like you, I could take you could stab me in the heart, and my face will just go blank mm-hmm. because I am like won't give you that I like I'll protect myself by just so I noticed that a lot in that last relationship I was like I would get my
1: feelings right then be like yeah mm-hmm. so something that I notice is the stoic reaction is is kind of a lack of masculine presence okay like I don't want to get Freudian and like say that everything has to do with your parents uh it's just little patterns that I've noticed is like going in readings
0: to- it comes up like the parents are the parents exist as the programming for so exactly. long. Exactly.
1: Like that. that's kind of a car. Like I think it's probably a karmic agreement that we make with them. And then this genetic blood bond that we feel like the, I wish so much that I didn't care what my parents thought. And like when I consciously and logically think about it, I don't, but like if there was a world where they were like proud of me, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Like if there was a world where like they were excited for me to like have a female partner just because i was happy or like the f- if there was a world where they weren't disappointed that i wasn't mormon and like wouldn't go to heaven with them like i would so they're not cool with that no, no. i mean i mean like they, they like everyone goes on their journey and they come to accepted but um no mormon no no believing mormon can be like happy about someone leaving the church because the moment that you do that, like you've given up your eternity and your eternity is to them, like all value is in family and you have to be in the same kingdom to be together as a family. So I can't, it's wild how much, uh, as, as, as you know, I
0: am (laughs) mildly obsessed with Mormonism and there is the cross section of post Mormonism and awakening. Yeah is huge to where I'm like, Oh, I think this is why I came into a Mormon's like why I had a podcast with a Mormon. Um, and there's so much of Mormonism. Like that was the thing that we first connected over, uh, Aaron and I was like, there's so much of Mormonism. That's so close to just like the idea of higher dimensional reality Mm -hmm. that I'm like, did this guy just tap in and like it got corrupted, which is just what happens when you bring higher dimensions to like an unconscious. They just like the, the, There's enough of us awake on the planet that it can be, like, less corrupted. Mm -hmm. But then, like, this shit is just, like, not it.
1: Well, but this is funny because, and we're, like, going on this funny tangent, but I very much, like, I grew up and uh, so Mormon, like, so Mormon. Yeah, I want your awakening story. Oh, well, I was such, like, a good, good Mormon girl and, like, uh which didn't fit anything. Like I don't do well with rules. I don't do well with uh, authority. (laughs) Like I'm very like, I'm very good. Like I never got in trouble at school or anything, but like if someone just says, because I said so, like I will vigilantly find a way to oppose it. (laughs) Like, and, um, and so what I did was kind of like create this text test doctrine is what I called it. And like I had, it was kind of like a spiritual pillar, like in my church community because I was like, basically anything that bugged me that people call their shelf, right? Like anything on the shelf, like you'll hear Mormons talk about that, where the thing, the things that bug them that you're told to just kind of like wait and don't address, I would like explore deeply and I would obsess over it. And I would find like whatever I could, whatever logic I could to make it work um, with a concept of God that, that worked for me. The concept of God being one that like wasn't petty, and not hyper-masculine as well. Um, and so because of that, I, with the kingdoms, there's a concept around the kingdoms. The kingdoms is that there's a telestial, terrestrial, and um, celestial, which is weird because I just dreamed about this last night. But uh, basically Joseph Smith taught that once you are judged, like on judgment day, you're gonna get sorted into kingdoms. And once you get sorted into a kingdom, you can never, ever leave that kingdom. And that never resonated with me because the purpose of existence was always, which was taught to me in the Mormon church, which was very like awake was this idea that we are, that humans are intelligence is what Joseph Smith taught. Yeah. That all resonates. Their intelligence and that the purpose of existence is progression. So I was like, there's no way that God would limit uh like people to like a specific kingdom and then like what they reach a a ceiling and then they're like oh sorry like you just are damned to an eternity of being with these like idiots you know yeah and so what i decided was that and and it's just funny because now this is literally what you talk about with ascension and programming and downloads and 5d and 12d and whatever is that i decided in a young age, that the kingdoms were more like a mindset or an, an awareness, and that we were all going to be living like we might all be in the same physical space, uh, but we would all be on different levels, and that you would because like people would ascend at different at different paces. The way that uh, not relatively relativity um like exponential growth right once you start growing like it's exponential. So once someone catches up to you you're already so far ahead that they're not going to catch up at the same pace. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like you being always a little bit of head, uh, on like the downloads and awareness, like you might be by the time other people that you are hoping will awaken, do awaken, they might be at such a different level that like you're so far in a different place. You're in a different space. And it's not that they can never get there, but it's at such a different pace that you guys are functioning at different levels all the time. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's the case, but uh, I would make up doctrines that worked for me like that. Um,
0: that really brings that. Cause when they describe the levels and the layers and stuff that all resonates as just ascension shit. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just ascension. When they talk about the, um, is it primordial? existence like pre-mortal um, yeah pre-mortal um like being uh spirit babies is yeah. that what it is mm-hmm. and then spirit children
1: yeah spirit
0: children like this is all and just choosing like
1: your family yeah yeah uh i it, yeah it's funny like all of it kind of kind of works now like it's it's so easy to switch it even like the concept of, so in Mormonism, like we use blessings to like the laying on of hands is what they call it. And you use a blessing to heal people. Like, and that's what I, like now I do energy work. <laughs> like, so I, that would seem crazy to someone else, like even another Christian, not, not so much to you because you guys did a lot of like, kind of, you guys did kind of like
0: it was a Pentecostal church and there was like Benny Hinn and shit, which is that's all just hypnosis and energy work, okay. you know. But they didn't know that. And so were you guys
1: casting out devils, or what exactly? There were was you doing? casting
0: out of devils, which is interesting Speaking now of to tongues. think back. Speaking of tongues, which is just light language. Yeah. It's the Russian language that I talk about mm-hmm. that I've since confirmed as light language, because I watched somebody else speak it and was like, oh, I know exactly oh. what she's saying. So light what? language is just like an inter um interdimensional language that we all understand. Cause it's just like sounds and frequencies, but it is, you know, it's like, tra- it's still transmitting information. And speaking of tongues was a big deal to me because I remember thinking, I'm always thinking like, what will I do if this plane crashes? What will I do if someone pulls a gun? Like my brain's always doing that. Yeah. And my instincts are always interesting. Cause they're not what you would think. Like if I was 20 years ago if I was on even after I backslid if I was on a plane and it was crashing in my head I'm like I would speak in tongues and it would make the plane stop crashing hmm. and um now I think my instincts are a little bit different but there still is so much power in that and I have been in some sketchy like sketchy uh supernatural experiences where my immediate instinct is like, take charge of the energy where I'm at, you know, yeah. and, and then I speak in that language hmm. and like, I feel like I'm shutting down. Shit's getting weird. I thought you were going to have to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Am I a lesbian? Anyway, when I'm talking to demons, <laughs> I, uh, I speak in Russian. Interesting. So that's part of it. But Yeah, like, there was a lot of, like, Breaking Generational Curses was, like, our pastor's entire, like, platform, and he was, like, Benny Hinn's opener when I worked for that church, which is crazy. It's a circuit-like comedy. And Benny Hinn, really, that's all energy shit, which I think we're going to see a lot more of. It's also hypnosis. There's a ton of hypnosis Mm -hmm. in there as well, and I met some tweaker who knows if this is true that told me that he was in hypnosis school with Benny Hinn, which would be interesting, but it like, wasn't fake. It wasn't like the people that were going up were faking. I got healed, uh, twice from just watching Benny Hinn's show, like, like actual, like physical things removed from my body.
1: Do you think that's because you chose to be healed or because he had a power to do it?
0: I think he's probably channeling some power and then, but yeah, I think you're healing your, you're You're like connecting to it.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I I've heard a lot of like miraculous healings within the Mormon Church, like using the priesthood. I think um, you've probably also heard of patriarchal blessings, where it's kind of like a fortune telling. Yeah. Thing. So
0: I got really into that for a minute, and then it kind of bummed me out because it was like. I thought it was so crazy because his said discernment and that was the thing that a prophetess told me. Oh. But then since I've heard that like certain like bishops like, certain- were handing out like the same ones on whatever day or whatever. Oh, Do I have really? that wrong?
1: Am I fucking that no, up with the names? No, you're, you're talking about special names. The temp- temple yeah, names. Yeah, no, but there was
0: like... Um, one of our later episodes of Mormon and the Meth we talked about the patriarchal blessings and they weren't as cool as we thought they were.
1: I like I've never read the same patriarchal blessing for two people because they record it in person. But I do think it depends. Like what I've found for people is like some people find it to be very prophetic, like post Mormons they find theirs to be very prophetic and some don't like, I don't find mine to be very significant, but like, I think it really depends so much on the the patriarch because they're the one tapping into you and following their, their intuition. Yeah. So like, if they're good at it, anyone can do this. Like, yeah, I think that's can what we talked this. about was
0: to depend on the guy who you had yeah. doing it. Because if you had like a cool guy, but there were some that were phoning it in, I think is what it was. Oh. Cause that was Danny Dartnell's like podcast idea was just like going through people's patriarchal blessing I hope she does it yeah yeah going through their patriarchal blessings and then and then talking about whether or not like these are still things like in your life
1: Hmm. yeah I uh I, I I like I'm grateful for like the the heritage that like I grew up with like the culture that like founded my upbringing just because I feel like it's very much like opened me up to these kind of discussions and uh like, I study. I was always used to being like the weird kid because I grew up Mormon in Georgia. So, like, I was already the weird oh, kid. Oh, yeah. And then I finally left the church and then moved back to Provo, Utah. And I was like, God, like, I just wanted to fit in. But, like, I'm such an <laughs> Aquarius. Like, I never wanted to fit in. That's right, bullshit. Right. So, like, I didn't want to fit in. But, um, but no, so I I served a mission. I was like very good, like I said, no sexuality. Probably a large part of that being because I was like it's pretty fucking gay. And <laughs> like uh so I was like had crushes on guys, but like um girls would talk about like um you know when they're like I don't cuz it's sin to sexually have sexual actions with another person and before you're married. And so you know, everyone's doing shit and Uh, my friends would be like, I don't know. Like, it just happened. Like, I just, it just happened. And I was like, nothing just happens. Like it is like (laughs) this, like this person, like I notice when a guy is like breathing too close to me, like there's no way it just happens. And then I remember when I had like my first sexual experience with a woman and I was just like, Oh my, like my brain was gone. And I was like, Oh, that's what they were talking about. Like all this time I was judging them and like, it did just happen. (laughs) But, um, yeah. So I'm like, I never, I never had a serious sin. I never had to go talk to my bishop. Like I never I was so good. I was so...
0: It's funny. Cause you're like, I'm crushing this. And it's actually just like, no, I'm no, hella gay. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm amazing. Like so righteous. Yeah. I'm just super evil. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So like I go on a mission and, um, Again, like, kind of went on a mission to avoid uh, this boyfriend that I had. I was obsessed with having boyfriends because it made me – it was, like, a a purse. Like, I was so paranoid of – up to this point, I had actually had, like, an experience with a girl who, like, basically, like, fell in love with me but, like, not – sexual. And it was like really scary for me because everyone was saying that she was in love with me and I was like, she's going to give me away subconsciously. So then I was like, I have to have boyfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend. I was like obsessed with looking perfect, having like long blonde hair and dressing well and being flirty. And I could not go a second without having a boyfriend. Um, wow. Yeah. And I was at BYU and it, it was just so important to me. It was the only way I felt comfortable interacting with other girls. If I had a boyfriend, like I felt safe.
0: Because you're like hiding the fact yeah. that you're gay.
1: Yeah, and so because I'm so naturally flirty, like with everyone that I was like, and I would naturally flirt with girls and guys. But what's the opposite of a beard? It's a purse. It's a purse. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's why I was like, yeah. Pur- <laughs> Cause you're, like, my purse. She's like, it's some, some weird, some weird Mormon term. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why you're talking about your accessories,
0: but <laughs> I like don't oh carry my a God, purse. That's so funny, I'm like, hey, listen, I got a, funny is like a joke. have like a bag,
1: and it's only to carry like all my digestive pills. I like,
0: that was so <laughs> random of you to say, but I was like, okay, like I thought you meant like an okay, got it. We're all got accepting it. here. Got like, it. you
1: can refer. Like, do you want to talk about your watches? Too? <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> like, yep. mm-hmm. it was just my carrying device. No, so like oh, a, fuck, a purse is a guy. So uh, then I go on a mission. And I fell in love with my first, the first girl that I lived with. She was a lesbian. She was like f- so fully lesbian. And my oh, God,
0: gay. God. Dude. Uh, yeah. I just, like still kind of have a Mormon kink. You know what I mean? So like, uh, now we're gonna, we're gonna have lesbian mission Mormons. Like, all right, we're gonna take a break real quick. We're checking, a lot, some, checking a lot of boxes. Checking uh, a lot of boxes right now.
1: <laughs> just loosen this collar. Uh, it's, it is kind of hot in here. It is. Yeah. It's
0: like literally hot it's, in here. It's but it just got worse. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I'm fine.
1: Um. Yeah. So I, um, we were like roommates. We weren't companions um which made it like so much more intense yeah so we were like roommates and we would ditch our companions we would wake up at like five in the morning so we could run together and just to have like more time together and um somehow our companions like didn't catch on like they were still asking sister Astorga was her name and they were still like asking her like so like how Do you have like a boy waiting home? And I'm like, how do you not see that she's so fucking gay? (laughs) Like, how are you not seeing this? Like, we are literally like cuddling blatantly in front of you. We would like hold hands. All this time, though, I have a, a boyfriend waiting at home for me. So I'm good. Like, right. So I'm just like obsessively like talking about this guy that I don't even like. Uh, just so that like God. I am just constantly like I'm straight, I'm straight, I'm straight, I'm straight, I'm straight. Are you consciously thinking that you're straight? Or are you like consciously thinking consciously I am covering up both. the fact that I'm gay? Both. Like it's so confusing in my subconscious right now because I do know that like there was this moment where I became so anxiously attached to this girl, and like. Uh, everything that I had seen in like the movies and what you're supposed to feel like when you're in love, I felt. I wanted to borrow her coat. I wanted to like. I felt so good wearing her coat. I wanted to be touching. What her is all that the time. fucking coat thing? What I is? I that? don't know. I don't know. Why but I is need it to like wear her clothes. a drug? Yeah. I don't know. I never wanted to wear anyone else's shit. Like I was like, ew, like no, you're. I, I don't need your stuff. Like don't take care of me. And then it was like her like dumb frumpy missionary coat. And I'm just like, Oh, I need, I, yeah, I could use that. I'm a little chilly over here. Like, and we would, yeah, I'm like, why did I forget my coat right now? Oh, cause yeah. I want to wear yes. his coat. Oh, yeah. whoops. I'm freezing. Yeah. <laughs> uh- <laughs> yeah. And she, yeah. So I mean, we broke every rule. Like we broke so many rules. Uh, we would just stay up. You're supposed to go to bed at 10, like, absolutely that's a hard rule we would stay up till like 1 30 in the morning cuddling amazing life experience oh so magical uh so like painful but i remember (laughs) like her being gone and me feeling like shaky and me being like so anxious for her to walk through that door uh and thinking in my brain this must be like what it's to be in love i can't wait till i feel that with a man Oh, wow. Because I had to. Like, I was on a mission. So I had to fall in love with a man. But I thought, oh, this is what it's like to be in in love. And at some point, I'll feel this for a man. But, like, I'll just enjoy it right now. Because, like, it doesn't happen with us, you know? Right. Yeah. So then I got transferred to Brazil. I was in New York waiting for my visa. Didn't want to leave because I was madly in love with this woman. Like, Every high school, like, feeling that I should have had for, like, crushes is, like, awakened. And I'm, like, we're passing love notes constantly and just, like, holding hands while we walk down the street. Like, we are sister missionaries. like We were Mormon missionaries, and we were being gay as fuck <laughs> God, I love that.
0: <laughs> I feel like the girls can get away with that in a way that the boys yes. in Mormonism oh, probably And she not
1: Well, and she was, like, uh, Latina, and so you can get away with, like, a lot more touchy-feeliness. Yeah. And like the night before we left, like we cuddled and it was like the first time that I felt like aroused. Uh, and I was like, this is bad. Like I felt so guilty, I'm, like wearing garments, but like. They're what? This girl. <laughs> yeah. And this girl's like holding me from behind. Yeah. They're so, and I'm just like, what's wrong with me? Like, who am I? And uh, uh, yeah, I, the only time I, I did this thing with women, with girls where like I would like lay down talking to them and it just happened with another girl too where like i was so straight i was like so straight i would always talk about the boy that i liked and then i would sleep in the same bed as them and we would talk and i'd always do this thing where it was like a sneak kiss where i would like i would talk to them and we would our lips would touch so like we would talk to each other with our lips brushing each other but it wasn't a kiss interesting yeah it's
0: giving me anxiety because it's somebody (laughs) talking to me that close to my face (laughs) freaking me the fuck out but okay hold on I want to go back to this for a second because this is I know on this podcast we spend so much time talking about galactic shit and like death of this energy (laughs) and whatever but like at the core consciousness There's so many layers of consciousness, but at the core, knowing who you actually are is consciousness. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like I knew that reality was a video game for 20 fucking years. Yeah. And there was quite a bit I could do with that. Yeah. But until the 2017 like ascension, I didn't know who I really was. Yeah. Yeah. I knew who this avatar I built was and I was pretty confident in that. I had that like fourth dimension uh, healing where like I, f- I accepted that everything happens for a reason. Like a lot of spiritual bypassing is just, you've only made it to the fourth dimension. So like you mm-hmm. just, it, there's like an, ex- it's all mental space shit. But in 2000, this, this time two years ago, I was still making fun of women that were clingy when I am, Clingy. Mm -hmm. I'm anxiously attached. I didn't know what anxious attachment was. Yeah. But I was actively like judging that in other people. I had confidence, but not real confidence. I had secret low self-esteem. I was see I was confident in the avatar I had created. Yeah. And the difference there is not arrogance, like I don't think it came off as ego. I think my confidence really like read as confidence because I believed it. But what it was, was that I realized when I was 20, everyone else is so fucking insecure that it doesn't matter. Nobody's thinking about you. Like I learned these kind of Mm -hmm. ideas, but like, I didn't love myself. Do you feel like you do now? I feel like I do now in a way that I've never fucking done before because I know who I am now. Mm. I know. You can like accept that. I can accept it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like it, like from the gate, I'm able to tell you, like I have an anxious attachment style. I'm able to like, look at it, I was so ashamed of this. I was so ashamed of being sensitive and having emotions. And so I presented this very, you know, I used to like tell people to listen to Mormon and the meth head in early episodes of soberish. And like, I, I like want to pay someone to go take that out yeah, because people go listen to it. And I'm like, Oh, it must be awful to listen to just completely me just like, t- like completely unaware of who I actually am.
1: I honestly find it really uh, comforting because I'm an advice giver and like I've I like I resent it so much in myself. Like I like feel embarrassed and like so embarrassed by it. And I think it's a reason why I avoided going into energy work for so long was because I was like, no, like I hate that part of myself. Like it's obnoxious, like being this advice giver, right? Yeah. And like um hearing you say something that had a lot of wisdom, like an open handed love, like that's a beautiful thing. Um
0: yeah, what's wild is uh, I nailed it in that. You did great. In what is love is an episode on Mormon and the Meth Head where I pontificate for fifty five yeah. minutes about what this idea of like unconditional love is, and then as soon as we record it in January and when it came out in March, the aliens were like, and now she will show her work, <laughs> and I become this codependent lunatic yeah. for two years, and I find my way out of that maze, which is essentially what that entire podcast is about. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's about a lot of other things, but it was like chronicling a journey for him, but also chronicling a journey for me of like actually finding out who I am. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that, it was like, okay, I am actually, I'm still trying to unpack this sexuality and love stuff for me, but like, I am actually very sensitive. Um, my feelings don't get hurt super easy. I, cause I'm very objective. So I think I can pretty much like, I can kind of see where people are coming from and stuff, but like. I am very sensitive. I feel everything. I have a lot of emotions. I have attachment damage. I'm it's very difficult for me to be vulnerable. I, if I say something vulnerable to someone, like if I put myself out there, it's like I'm followed with a sense of impending doom, which then makes me wanna like I obsess and I'm yeah. like Distance, the slightest amount of distance makes me like I like five year old me is like, he's never coming back. He's never coming back. He's never coming back. And so, like, then I start doing like, I act out to like take temperature to make sure I'm Mm -hmm. safe and stuff. And these are all things that like I made fun of in other women because they were my things and I didn't know those things about myself yet. And so, this is what like as I'm trying to unpack the sexuality thing, I think what it is now is I'm just bi and probably mostly attracted to men and for now for whatever you know well, so whatever like, I'm
1: figuring out I think it's okay to be sexually attracted like that's why I say like I'm, sec- I'm bisexual or pansexual but homo romantic like I seem to only at this time have romantic I think there's a romantic spectrum as well why do I the- feel
0: guilty I feel guilty yeah. for being only sexually attracted I don't just like dating, dating. I say it's it's fifty fifty. Like I'm yeah. dating, just d- dating. Mm-hmm. But I don't fall in love with people. I date. I fall. I like meet someone at a grocery yeah, store, and like, we're married by the time I get to the weird parking happening. lot. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's never. I've never fallen in love with someone I met in a dating. You know, it's at like I walk past them, or it's at a fucking drug deal or something. It's ne- I've never fallen in love with someone that I went on a
1: date on you, date with. You know, something that's coming to mind is like I think attachment and attraction might be very different things yeah like attraction uh, for me like i think is very like it's a very like physical thing right like uh the attraction i feel to men it hit me very clearly when i hit puberty like it was very much like this is built into my genetics to find men sexually attractive attachment like i i don't uh, attach to them boom that's exactly
0: it i mean i don't know i don't i don't i don't attach I, to anybody i date yeah. so i don't know but what I, it is but i, I do, do wish i had a dick I know that I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, when I try to like articulate like what penis envy. Yeah. I do wish I had a dick. Like I think that I mean, all I've thought I mean, my whole life. Yeah. Why am I a girl? Like I definitely felt like a guy. I think most of my life I felt like, I think, I think this too. I'm like, what if I grew up in a generation where being trans was acceptable? Would I have stuck with this woman thing? You know?
1: I don't know. What if
0: I had grown up where I wasn't, like, shamed for being gay? You know, would I have allowed myself to be pushed in that lane? Would I have ever even explored men? Would I have noticed that I hated the way it felt after the first couple times and never do it again? It's really interesting. The opportunities that we have to be – in, like, the the children today have – to live in a conscious reality to where my kids are not being told who they are and they just get to fucking write their own script. I don't Mm -hmm. tell them shit about who they are. Mm -hmm. And if, if they're, if they act one way for six months, I don't identify them as that later. It's just everything is like, what do you think? What do you think? You know, they wanted to get on this fucking slingshot thing. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? That ball? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they are 10 and six. <laughs> and I knew that the 10 year old is just pretty like anxious. Yeah. And, um, the six year old doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> and, um, I knew the 10 year old was going to freak out, but like she wanted, she thought she wanted to do it. Yeah. And it's this weird moment as a parent. And I miss a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I misjudge because I'm like, okay, this is going to freak her out, but I don't want to tell her what is mm-hmm. going to freak her out. I yeah. don't want to tell her you're going to make a mistake here. I want yeah. to let her make her mistakes. Yeah,
1: because then you might project a trauma onto her anyway.
0: Exactly. And so I went and she got tra- – I let her go. I let them go together on this – Fuck. I did forget that it went upside down. I thought it just went <laughs> up and down. And then my sister – like, once it went up and my heart sank, I was trying to make a video and I was like, oh, my God. And I was just like stressed <laughs> the fuck out till they were done. <laughs> But, uh, and then, you know, Phoenix had a rough, you know, Lily Time. told me that she was screaming, I don't want to die. And oh. I just like broke my heart. And I was like, all right, so sometimes I need to step in. But I just think the opportunity to, you know, I am what I am now. And it, it's just a fun just trying to constantly unpack it, right? This yeah. is like what I mean, this it is existence, is, right? right?
1: We're always like making these mazes and then crawling ourselves out of it.
0: But it is so... I'm so excited to watch these generations be nurtured by their parents. Parents understand attachment stuff. Um, parents let them like consciously exist. Don't tell them what reality is. Don't fight them. This is the thing that happens. is like a generation gets older and then they want to fight the younger generations. Mm-hmm. Like back yeah. in my day, oh, we stayed out until the streetlights were on and I was like, yeah, that was your movie. Mm-hmm. Now this is my fucking movie. Yeah. And you can either just rot here on the planet pontificating about I said pontificating twice on the same podcast please someone come kick me in the face
1: opened a dictionary earlier and she was like this word I'm gonna say this three times
0: I'm very 60 and that means I get access to 12 words for my vocabulary per day
1: and are just on a loop she's like watch this pontification
0: oh god I hate myself
1: (laughs) um the uh the old people, versus yeah. The young old people
0: versus the young people is really just like reality is this constantly like evolving movie into a new movie into a new movie into a new movie, and like older people like bitching about like their movie was better, and it's like it it's a new movie, and you're missing out. Like you could be participating in ten movies in a lifetime, and instead you're just yeah. still talking about an old one. Yeah. They don't fucking play till the streetlights are on anymore. Who gives a fuck? You know they're on. The internet. Yeah. They're getting exposed to people all over the world and all kinds of ideas and concepts and Mm -hmm. shit. And that's fucking cool. And you weren't doing that with your three fucking friends from the neighborhood until the streetlights were on. So, like, I don't know why I'm ranting about this now. (laughs) But I love this idea of just, like, these kids are going to know who the fuck they are. They're not going to be 40-something years old trying to figure out who am I, which is still fun and I like it. And I don't even mean to sound like... Uh, I love self discovery, but I mean, imagine- they're just gonna have
1: more. Who am I? They're gonna be like, Am I a girl or a boy? Am I non binary? Am I uh, like they have so much. Like, even watching my friends who are exploring their uh, gender identity now, like, this is like a big thing for people uh, leaving the church now. It's like, not just like, What is my sexuality? or Not just like, Who is God? but like, What is my gender now? Yeah. is this big Thing because the nice thing of leaving indoctrination is that then you have to question everything, right? And I love so, that. so everyone's like, "What am? What am? What am I? Uh, am I a boy? Am I a girl?" And that's like, that's the slate that like our younger generation is working with is is not just like, "What am I going to be when I grow up?" But it's like, what? Like, literally, all options are open. Like everything is possible now. So, like, what am I going to be? I almost wonder. If it's going to create like a whole new type of drama, imagine, imagine like a TV show of a bunch of nine non binary sexually fluid people. Right. Like, holy shit, they're all gonna have sex with each other, first off. Like, (laughs) yeah, well, just the fucking freedom in there. No, it's exciting. It's cool. It's just a whole different drama.
0: Talking about gender, Phoenix has not shut up about gender since she was like seven. Really? And uh, she just is like, Phoenix's mind is so fascinating because she just, she's like, loops on something until she figures it out mm-hmm. and she just certain things drive her nuts like when she found out that kids can't cuss she was like 4 and really? she was like so wh- but why and i was like <laughs> i don't know people think they're bad what about them is bad i have no idea i don't agree with it either just don't i don't care if you do it just don't do it in front of grown-ups cuz i don't want to get their yeah. fucking bullshit <laughs> <laughs> uh And she's just like, but how are the words bad? And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, as far as I feel, I feel like can't is a, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like is a worse, Absolutely. Um, a word than fucking, but like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's a, it's a societal construct. I taught her about or societal wrong. constructs. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's the it's leftover wrong. Christian bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, but just, it just drives her nuts. These things that are just like, don't make any sense. And gender is kind of one of those for her. Cause she was like, well so uh the idea of she's also very non-committal Capricorn, but she's like <laughs> the idea of having to commit to one gender for my whole life feels like a big decision, and like, what are the odds that wow. I want to do that, one gender for my whole life, but then the idea that like my parents decide <laughs> wow. what my gender is is like
1: that's so cool,
0: um. Yes. Yeah, so she just talks about con it. It's so funny. Like I left her with my parents, you know, and it's like, I come back and they're like, so <laughs> she's like, I'm going to give it a year before I make the call for sure. But I'm likely going to identify as non-binary. I don't see it. This child just turned 10. She's wow. so funny. But yeah, she just like knows herself. She just knows who the fuck she is. Cause nobody, you know, I hid her out. She's homeschooled till this year. And she is just, but she's fascinated with the idea of these constructs because they just, they're foreign to her because nobody told her who she was. You know, I was very picky about, you know, don't tell, don't tell my kids that shit. Don't tell my kids, this is girl things. This is boy things, you know, this is like, and I wasn't even like real woke. I wasn't not woke, but this just wasn't, I just don't like defining people like defining children when they are changing at a rapid pace and then you lock them into something and then they – like this is how the shadow is created, yeah. right? Is like the mirroring back. Oh, That's the thing I wanted to say earlier that I learned about. Like everything that your parents didn't mirror back as valid goes in your shadow. Mm. Hmm. So when you have an emotion and your parents let you know that that one's not valid – That goes in the shadow. If you are a boy presenting with quote unquote girl traits and your parents don't mirror that back as okay or acceptable, that goes in your shadow. And so next thing you know, you have men who have this like very toxically masculine thing because they've hidden all of their feminine energy because their dad was some kind of gross bro or or vice versa, you Mm -hmm. have women trying to present very feminine or straight because their religion or their family has mirrored back that their true essence isn't valid. For me, it was sensitivity and emotion Mm -hmm. and, like, vulnerability. Like, those were punished almost by my mom. And so I just became someone that couldn't feel my feelings to the extent that when it was time to unpack the amount of sexual assault I had actually experienced in my life Mm -hmm. as the result of me, like, being incapable of feeling vulnerability.
1: Do you, as you're talking about that, like, are those the things that got... It's interesting because, like, I feel, as you were saying that, I was thinking... Oh, that's what a lot of my, every relationship I've had that has been significant has been because they illuminated some part that I had put in the shadow. Absolutely. And so do you feel like that's kind of like with your first husband, I'm curious, like what did he illuminate for you?
0: So my first husband was interesting. Um, I think there are some common themes. Uh, I think we had a great connection. And I wasn't the right kind of woman. Mm-hmm. And, um, but to be honest, he never, like I had to dig that out of him. You know, there was a part of me that's just like, love doesn't feel safe. And then I will pull on this thread until you confirm that for me. And a lot of things that like I felt victim to with him were just like, here's this indoctrinated guy who was a virgin when we met mm-hmm. and needed to like, fuck other people. You know, and so he had like, he cheated on me a few times in five years. I'm not saying that that's like, okay, but like adult me can look back and be like, we were teenagers. <laughs> he hadn't had sex with anyone. He had been told his entire life that this is what women were supposed to be. I don't even think the adults that were around us, cause we were married from like, I was 16 to 20 and, um, or 16 to 21 And the adults around were also like not okay with what I look like, not okay with what I acted like. You know, I I, like gained some femininity in that relationship. Like that's how I learned how to speak somewhat like feminine and carry myself somewhat feminine. But for the most part, I was not what a woman should be, which is a loop, right? Yeah. And I don't, I I feel like they were progressive also. Yeah. But I think the next one, I think the next one really loved me for me. But okay, so here's the opportunity that all of these relationships give me is at the end of this relationship, I'm given the opportunity to choose me. Hmm. And I do keep doing that. I do keep choosing myself. I uh, up until this last one, like let it go like burn to the fucking ground before I do that. But I, um, I think identifying that loop really helped. But the shadow, the true shadow came forth in this. This was the first time that I was like, oh, fuck. When I learned about attachment systems, it was a game. My friend Virginia Jones told me, uh, you, it sounds like you have an anxious, preoccupied attachment style. And I can't tell you how fucking defensive and you like felt- how quickly I rejected that idea. Cause I was talking about like, oh, it's yeah. hot and cold. And like one minute he's close, the next minute he's not. And it, like, it, I was totally projecting it onto him. Not that he wasn't avoidant, but I was yeah. totally projecting it onto him. And she was like, you know, you wouldn't be in this. If you Loop, weren't anxious, yeah. If you weren't anxious, preoccupied. Because if you were just secure... And I'm like, no, no, I'm secure. I just spent 10 years in a marriage where I was secure. Well, that's what happens when you marry a secure. Yeah. Um, She said, uh, you wouldn't do this if you weren't anxious, preoccupied. Yeah. You would just say, oh, hey, this is back and forth. I don't yeah. like it. And you would move You're on. You're boring. <laughs> and I, rege- I didn't even look into it. Really? I was like, no, 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 no. I am this thing that I've been for the last 10 years.
1: Well, we both like... Uh, the masculine which we both maybe identify a little bit more with that as a protective shield would glorify an avoidant attachment style oh absolutely an anxious attachment style is just it feels embarrassing and i have had that activated and it it feels embarrassing like to say like and there's really no shame in it but it's just like that like the masculine, like glorification of avoidant, which now that I've uh, experienced avoidant attachment style, like on the receiving end, like I used to be the avoidant one. Now I've experienced it. And now I'm just like, that's, it's not cool. There's nothing cool about being avoidant. It's it's lonely. It's, it's lo- it sucks. And
0: now, now I'm like going full circle. So I did heal it and I embraced it. And I do love that about myself. Yeah. And I'm like, okay with it. I'm yeah. like, what, what am I ashamed of? I'm ashamed of the fact that my, parents didn't, you know, like, like love and nurture me. And so I, I get skittish in relationships. It's like what so is that vulnerable to
1: be to have needs? Yeah.
0: And so I, I, I learned to embrace that in, in that last relationship. And then it's, I just front load it. Uh, you know, it's a lot. (laughs) I have so much to pack into a first date where it's like my teeth come out. (laughs) I'm actually really gross. Like You know, like it's like, uh, and then also I seem cool, but that's (laughs) like as long as you don't get close to me, I will continue to seem cool. But as soon as you get close to me, I'm going to freak out, Mm -hmm. you know? And then in 2020, my goal is just to like let someone love me. And I, because I do deactivate, but I deactivate immediately. Like I have never let, all of these dynamics were me being the chaser, not crazy chasing. You have to like, keep me on a hook. You know, I didn't fall for every dude that didn't want me. I used, <laughs> I lose, I lose interest in that pretty quick, but like, it's always been me liking them more than they like me. And like this year, I'm like, I'm going to choke down someone loving me as much as I love them. Right. Yeah. Or, um And choke down, uh folks is anybody out there interested in that do you want that kind of love do you want to watch me choke down your love i think i called it like rotten chicken on twitter i'm surprised i didn't get more dms uh more applications
1: i mean there's a lot of porn around that so i mean you're probably choking down rotten chicken uh not the rotten chicken part but uh, meat
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) no i'll do that part um uh I deactivate and I I, like I learned so much about deactivation you know studying my partner's uh stuff and then I was like oh I do that like if someone just like loves me all of a sudden I'm like I never noticed that he chews that Right?
1: oh suddenly all their weaknesses like the yeah just like oh they kind of lean funny with this or like yeah which um, that's all
0: such fucking that's racing thoughts right and that comes down to because I would get like embarrassed for the person yes who, who but what is it I'm really embarrassed of I'm embarrassed of their vulnerability Why? Because I hate that in myself.
1: Hmm. And I almost feel like I would, I look for, I'm always like, I have a problem with like an escape hatch. Like I have to have an escape hatch and seeking, like chasing after someone who doesn't want me is a, like a great escape. So like, like pursuing someone who's like clearly emotionally unavailable, like uh practicing like non-monogamy, but not like really in an ethical way. And like also like uh just constantly pushing me away. Like that's great because at any moment if they did start to pull into me, I would probably start finding their flaws. Yep. So escape hatch is like so the like and that's where I'm like, is it unethical to like let someone love me? (laughs) Like Yeah. I don't think that we know how to do it. It feels unethical to like because I feel like I'm really good at making people feel safe. I can bring out vulnerability in people. And then I'm like this, like you shouldn't like bad idea because I, I don't know how I fuck it up, but I will. And like, I have poor attachment styles and like, I'll be there for you three years down the road, but I'm not going to be a good partner. Like I'll show up for you. Like I'll still be your dearest friend. Like I will see you through and through. I will support you. But like, I suck at romance. I don't
0: if anybody listening to this podcast doesn't already know what attachment styles are, <laughs> I think everyone on the fucking planet needs to read the book Attached yeah. by Amir something, mm-hmm. Levine. And Just look so it up. we have the different attachment styles. You got Secure Attached. Allegedly, they t- they're half of the world. I guess they're all living on a, yeah, a marriage bullshit. compound somewhere because <laughs> fucking I haven't met any of them. Actually, I've met two, the Dartmouths. <laughs> Then you have uh, anxious preoccupied, which are people who, uh, when they're attachment... And I have found that most people are both... Atta- anxious avoidant. Anxious avoidant, yeah. depending on if they get caught in the um, the uh, orbit of yeah. someone else who's anxious avoidant. So what if we consciously, knowing like I have a tendency to be anxious and avoidant, I have a tendency to be anxious and avoidant, consciously enter into a relationship, like knowing... Knowing this language, knowing these tools, and then knowing the triggers and talk through the triggers, right? Because, okay, when I was hacking money, Mm -hmm. I talk about when you hack things, it feels awful. Like you have to burn that – you like are burning programming out of you, right? And so I, like, I had so much poverty mentality that I had to burn that fear out. So I talk about, I feel like I've told the story many million times. I go to a $200 dinner, and after the dinner, the guilt and shame kicks in, and then I just want to die. I'm mm-hmm. just, like, racing thoughts about, oh, my God, I could have spent that money on bills. It's the exact same type of anxiety yeah. as someone loving you, right? Mm-hmm. But what happens when you're unconscious and you're deactivating is you believe the things that you're thinking. Yes. So it's like, okay, let's say you meet someone, you think they're unavailable, mm-hmm. right? And they're so attractive mm-hmm. to you. And then they become available or they start to like you. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, I didn't like, I thought I liked them, I don't like him, da, 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 da. Right?
1: Well, I want them to like me. Then, then they decide that they want me. And then I'm like, oh, now I have to actually decide. Like... Right. You I know. can't like hide behind that. Yeah. That's yeah. what I
0: realized is like, I'm actually commitment phobic. Yeah. I'm putting people on a pedestal and chasing them just because I know they're not going to let me catch yeah. them. And that was something I noticed in the last relationship is that uh, during the couple of phases where, where he wanted to be there, I oh, slept.
1: Yeah. You were like, I, I like,
0: done. I just slept constantly. Really? And I don't know if that was cause I was just like fucking not activated for five minutes mm-hmm. or because I just like, I didn't, act- I didn't actually want intimacy. Yeah. Because intimacy is going to be excruciating to truly experience for a minute. This could be, fuck it, this is me, so it could Mm -hmm. be a month. But like to like actually, and that's what the aliens were talking about. Finally, I said that in this episode (laughs) is on ramps and off ramps. Like we don't know how to get into these fucking connections and we don't know how to get out of these connections. We can't get out of them without ripping off 5,000 pieces of each other because we over enmeshed and we don't know how to get into them without getting skittish or fucking up the, the power dynamic. Mm -hmm. The power dynamic needs to be two whole people coming together and coexisting in a connection that doesn't, Like have enmeshments like, oh, I can't afford to live without you or I can't, you know what I mean? I need you or I'll die or any of this shit. It's just like, I'm me. I have all my own fucking shit. I'm going to be okay if you're here or not. You are the same. We come together. We co-create for a finite amount of time because that's the reality Mm -hmm. is that it's probably a finite amount of time. And then we exit when this these paths naturally start to diverge without freaking the fuck out. And because we were talking the entire time, like maybe it maybe we it just comes in for a soft landing. It's weird that we hate our exes. It's weird. You loved yeah. this person more than anyone
1: else. Mm-hmm. You picked them above anyone else, and now we hate all of our exes. It's weird. But like I don't. And that, I, never, that confuses, I don't either. that confuses every new person because they're like, you're gonna go hang out with your ex. Husband, okay, alone in a in a in a basement room. I'm like, yeah, like I've I have no desire to. Yeah, I don't. I don't really
0: like once I've gotten through the the uh, I can be friends with all of them. Yeah, I I do not,
1: and I don't. I never stop loving a person. Same. I never stop loving them, but romance can flip off like a switch, and then it never really reactivates. But the the way that you're describing love is interesting because my thought is okay that's cool but where's the story in it like if human consciousness is a a really epic storyteller like at that point there's not going to be enough conflict to keep us like engaged in a single body Oh, I think there's so much story. I think
0: there's so you much more still... romance and beauty in they just like, like creation of reality. Yeah, and then
1: they'll like have their challenges, but it'll be like together. I don't think it's without
0: challenges. I like for now, for the next like however many years, it's going to be about hacking love. Okay, you know, it's about finding love at the bottom of this. It's going to have conflict for a minute. But it's conscious conflict. It's like, yeah. okay, we know we have these attachment mm. systems. But so like there's doing that this connection.
1: For something. Yeah.
0: So here's this connection. And once this honeymoon phase is over, the attachment systems are going to show up. Yeah. And then this time, instead of one of us becoming avoidant and one of us becoming anxious, we're going to stay awake and we're going to work through this attachment shit. Yeah. You know, and that's going to manifest through story. Yeah. But the story is played out, the fucking, the man checks out and gets a man cave and the woman becomes the nagging whatever fucking wife and they're alone and then she meets someone on the internet and then, you know, it's a fucking, all of these like old paradigm stories have all been played out and now it's something new and beautiful and I think we've never experienced it before. And then it can be built on from there because I think like true non-monogamy is like we're not get, we're not seeing a ton of it. I know a couple of people pulling it off. Yeah, I see it mostly being used as I know like
1: two people that are pulling it off. Yeah, maybe. I
0: know. Yeah, I have a friend who I'm really interested in what she's doing, and then I've read about it a lot because I'm fascinated by the idea. But I think when you when you get when you nail one relationship, like you've nailed the attachment system thing in one relationship, mm-hmm. and then you start to expand, and then like see like like this thing webs out Not saying everyone has to do that but like I'm fascinated yeah. with this idea because ultimately this is a allegory for us learning to come together yes yeah but the codependency story has been told it's fucking old yeah it's, that's true it, 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 and and it's still being told as we hack it you know mm-hmm. there are people every day there are people who are like In these codependent relationships and reverse engineer their way back to a healthy relationship, you know?
1: So what do you feel like the differentiator of the twin flame archetype is versus codependency? Because it has a lot of similarities. Oh, I think that I think this is the this is that. So twin fame is like codependency, bitch slapping you in the face.
0: Twin flame in a higher dimension is a higher dimensional connection or a higher dimensional contract, you know. Mm-hmm. And then in the lower dimensions, it's hacking codependency. Like that's like phase one of most twin flame dynamics. Is like you're here to hack codependency.
1: And then do you you've talked about twin flames like the blueprinting and maybe like jumping to like another person. So, do we end up with our twin flame? I don't know, man. As I
0: uh. I can only speak so far as like my experience goes, you know? So I know what like my feelings are. And I don't even know if I really got into this on the podcast because I tend to uh, avoid the subject of Twin Flames. But um, in like September, there was like a recoding thing. And like Lola got the same download that we were going from phase one to phase two. And then Adriana was like, uh we're kind of just taking the twin flame thing offline for a minute because it's just like causing more codependency and then all a, a lot of readers a lot of readers that like youtube readers that were doing all twin flame stuff on youtube stopped like they changed their formats because they were all they were all feeling like okay we're j- rather than hacking codependency we're looping on codependency
1: yeah it's becoming an obsession kind of
0: yeah but i've never like i chased that carrot yeah, till I was blue in the face. and I it was so transformative for me. It changed the entire like perception of who I was. Yeah. and it really didn't stall ever. Like it was just this constant like ripping off pieces of myself and finding out who I ultimately was, mostly like trying to get out of pain. But the entire time chasing this idea that we eventually end up together, I can say in my experience personally, I have surrendered that we won't. like not. You know, six months ago, I would have told you, like, I was accepting that we might not. Mm -hmm. And there was still totally a wedge in that door. Yeah. And now I'm, like, to the place where I'm, like, I don't feel that. Like, I feel like I graduated from whatever that was. And uh, I don't feel that kind of connection to that person anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like, and this is me, like, being cynical and, like, single. But it's very much, like, all I desire from a relationship right now is, like, I just want which is kind of good. Like I'm not looking for something from anyone anymore. Like I was always like had kind of these mental frameworks of like, this is what I'm looking for in this person because like they can offer this to me. And now it's very much just like, eh, teach like all I want is like to gain a greater understanding of like what my own, like who I am. Right. I'm just looking for like mirrors now, whether it's romantic or humanity in general. Uh, I just feel very much like we are all the same, like we're all one and we're all just like these little different variations of expression of consciousness. And yeah, so that's where I'm like, I used to have like a lot of ideations around like a twin flame or a soulmate or like this person that would complete me. And I have, like, still, I don't know if it's programming or if it's, like, built into me, but there's still, like, so much ideation around, like, a family and a traditional thing. And then there's this other part of me that's, like, very much not, this very non-monogamous and very much, like, I could see myself, like, on some weird commune where, like, we're all, like, in love with each other and... I, I resonate so much with both. That is very confusing. It's probably just like Aquarius and Virgo and Capricorn, like fighting each other. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, like I, yeah, it's interesting. Like I feel much less romantic ideations and more like, what are we going to unravel for each other? Like how I'm looking for my mirror. Conscious,
0: like conscious relationships. Yeah. I can say for sure that I will never, um, I will never, try to have a relationship with someone who's unconscious, um, including people that I, like, have woken up. Yeah. Because people who I wake up turn on me for a while, at least, always. They turn on me or they cut me out of their life for a phase, yeah. which they have to do because you're not really supposed to be woken up by another person, but I don't... Like, I wouldn't enter into it, like, attempt to have a relationship with someone who wasn't just, like, awake also. But I... Um, the thing that you just said, fuck, I want to conscious relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Kristen, my friend who's a therapist and awake, when I found out I was codependent, I messaged her and I was like, dude, I'm codependent. And she was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, she said something that stuck out so hard to me. And I got tested on this a few times. She said, you have to watch out for things that are faded. Interesting. Things that feel faded. So the thing with me is I'm I'm making movies with my life at all times. And everything has to have, like, that's the reason that all my stories are so, like, you know, intense. I love to tell Dematic. stories with my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I look for, I, I love that. And I love that about the game of life and the synchronicities and everything else. And so I love, like, when someone comes into my life, I like to line up all the ways that life led us to this moment. Mm-hmm. which I think is fine, and it's fun.
1: It's effective storytelling. It
0: is effective storytelling, and I feel like this movie that we're living in, someone has to watch it. Yeah. That's why when I'm manifesting reality, I don't put those like clauses in there to like prevent chaos you know Mm -hmm. i don't know if you know that trick like when you're creating something you say not via chaos so that Mm -hmm. you're you're you don't have tower moments but i think that that's a puss move does it work uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. it does work but then it's lame i want to lose everything get the thing and be like and have that beautiful story you know um i don't mean like straight to say i want to lose everything but like to make it sound like i'm self-destructive but like I want the entire story to be told the Mm -hmm. the hard part and the happy part, the whatever I want the whole beautiful thing. And I think that that's fine. And I'm I'm not going to stop doing that, but what I spent a lot of time thinking about that and what would happen is that, um, I would get so attached to that idea of fate that I would sacrifice myself Mm. because this was fate. And what I've learned, um, a couple days ago I got like a download that was like pick your destiny
1: yeah.
0: pick the movie that you're playing in and live that out and if it doesn't fucking feel good jump that's it Just like jump. that doesn't mean like some things are hard but like I um I had a dream about a guy and then he showed up on tinder like the next like I hadn't been on tinder in months yeah and I was like you remember at the in Mormon the meth Head, I was like I'm not going to date or have sex for a year and I knew something was coming in February. Yeah. And in like November I was just like I feel like I'm not getting over my ex because I'm not dating. I mm-hmm. need to go date. And so I like download Tinder and I'm here. Actually I was I was here in Salt Lake. Yeah. Um no wonder I felt like I wasn't over my ex and I <laughs> um I searched I, don't know, I changed my picture or something, and this guy messaged me, who we we had talked at some point, a lot like a year before that, for like two seconds. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the night before that, I had a dream where my ex husband was murdering everybody in this hotel, and I was like, "Please stop murdering everybody, whatever." And I got up to the top of the <laughs> <Blown> stairs, <hair. laughs> and this guy was blonde hair, was like bloody on the ground. Oh, wait, fuck? Um, and I knelt down by him, and I was like. Yeah, I guess I could be with him. And it was some kind of, like, conversation between me and the aliens. This is wild. I haven't told this story in a minute. Um, Some kind of, like, I was approving of this person. Interesting. Okay. And because he opened his eyes, and, like, I realized he wasn't dead, and I kind of knew in that moment he was going to kill my ex or something. But... Hmm. Anyway, so the next day on Tinder, this guy messages me and I look at his picture and I'm like, oh, fuck, that's the guy. Hmm. That's the guy from the dream. Now, that's something in the past that I would have been like, it's fate, it's destiny. I saw you in the dream space. This is it. We're meant to be. We're meant to be. And so we hit it off and we had like great conversations for like a week. He had a kid the same age as mine. At this point, I'm like, I'm looking for a life partner to like, yeah. raise my kids with, right? And, um, and then he kind of was just like, I'm just like, I just, he was trying to get me to commit to a fuck buddy situation. And I was like, no. And this was like in that moment, I was like, it doesn't matter if I saw you in the dream space. If I saw you in the dream space, I can see fucking anyone in the dream space. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter.
1: Because there's infinite, there's infinite connections. That's
0: the thing. Is like that's that's what I'm getting away from with the twin flame thing. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the twin flame thing is an an agreement, maybe that we make, or like maybe we do share a higher self. But I think like if if your higher self is playing more than one avatar, they're probably playing twenty. Yeah, and uh, it feels more like a contract, like to, to go through certain things together. And I had to believe we were going to end up together to work as hard as I did to figure everything out. I really was thought, thought I was figuring him out. Yeah. And there were a million like leveling up in that. And then I graduated one day and like, and then I just didn't, it was just done. Like it was, I was like, okay, you know, I mean, I'm not Do you feel like you kind of like... Following him on social media or trying to have a phone call. But like I, I did the thing I came to do. I learned the things I came to learn and then I get to leave.
1: Is there like a difference between staying and like doing the work versus like taking like a Rick and Morty, like portal gun and just being like, peace, I'm going to a different timeline.
0: I don't think you can. I don't, I think twins are something you have to play through. I don't think you have to stay in the connection. I learned more in the three years that it has been January in this. Have you guys noticed that it's been January for a decade? Um, Really these connections has, yeah. you can split like never see them again yeah. and they don't stop doing their work and you do not you do, i do not think that you get free from that connection until you have learned whatever the like that's why it feels like a contract to me that it's like these are the things that we are going to learn here and you don't get out of it and you can like make it last forever mm-hmm. by like not doing like not processing through the stuff and dude i fucking hated it when people said stuff to, like not stuff to me, but like on YouTube when they're like, this is about you. It's you that you're looking for. It's you. Like I fucking hated that. I'm like, tell me what he's doing. (laughs) Why is he bad? (laughs) He is wrong. Um, but like being on the other side of it, I'm like, Oh, it was me. It was literally me. Like it was like, it came down to the last couple of revelations I had were like, Uh, the thing, you know, it was, it was, it it was a, it was a combination of all the loops in my life and like, and they were right there for me to see, but it was also so many things about myself. I should like list all of the lessons that I learned. That's kind of the cool thing about having documented it on a podcast, but like, um, it gave me myself it gave me like true confidence, like true, I love myself. I nurture myself in a way I never have. I take care of myself in a way that I never have. Mm-hmm. I am honest about who I am and what my needs are. I advocate for myself. I have boundaries in a way. But not only that, it put me on the path that I wanted to be on. You know, mm-hmm. it, it 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 put me on the path, like soberish. Everything was a, like a symptom of me spiraling out in this connection. And, uh, and now I have like this is a life I dreamed of. I'm surrounded by conscious people that love me and like strong fucking powerful women. Like my whole life is magic. I don't even have to talk to fucking 3D people. Like my whole life is magic. I'm like overthrowing the government. I am like hacking the matrix. Like everything is magic. And it was the result of this very painful connection. And now I've like entered into the gratitude and I'm like, oh my God, this person held the most beautiful mirror up for me. Yeah. And three weeks ago I was fucking pissed and having a hard time not like posting awful tweets.
1: <laughs> but they I really, cycle
0: through things really fast. They're in like January a guru 2020.
1: Like yeah. a guru for you. And it was beautiful.
0: And I'm like, of course we're connected in the higher dimensions. Of course this 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 very intimate friend of mine in the higher dimensions was like going to play the most like influential role in my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, part of my attachment, I think to that is like, it's the pivot. and I love pivots, man. I love it. (laughs) I'm like, oh, we're going to change every single day under the influence of this. Let's do this forever. And everyone else is like, fucking no, thank you. You know? Um, so I think twins, I think, I think we are gonna, I think the twin energy phenomenon, I was gonna say phenomena for some reason
1: now. I don't I know. I think that's multiple phenomenon. Yeah, noms. that
0: feels backwards to me, it's, right?
1: It's messy, Words guys. Words are hard. A, those A's and O's. The twin flame <laughs> pontification. <laughs> yes, that's number three. You did it. The twin flame
0: thing, which if you haven't, uh, I don't know, like maybe there's new versions of it. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm
1: still... Uh, the archetype, though. There's yeah. like a theme, a motif, If we if we must...
0: Yeah, because I get people like, there's just also a million different connections. Like yeah. I, you know, the the my relationship with connections has changed quite a bit where the aliens are like, can we send a soulmate? You mm-hmm. know, soulmate used to mean something so crazy. And then the soulmate comes into my life and I can see exactly like, oh, you're just here to make me remember that I'm funny or... You know, uh, give me my groove back a little bit because I got knocked down here or, you know, we're here to do this for each other in each other's lives. But like, I do remember you and I do feel this like connection to you from before. And there is this like sweet attraction between us because we've known each other in different lifetimes. And so I don't know. I feel like the template of Twin Flames is an ascension template ultimately, It is a rapid awakening and not everyone's signed up for that. Not everyone's in that collective and that's fine. Those relationships aren't like somehow outranking other relationships. They're actually way less sustainable than a a soulmate relationship. There are some twin souls on the planet that just seem to have like the exact same blueprint and no conflict, Hmm. you know? I feel like twin souls are something different than twin flames. But these are also just Mm -hmm. like, I feel like the flame in twin flame is for burning shit to the ground, (laughs) right? But I feel like this is just, none of these things are concrete. These are just like, I, you know, we're just trying to define experiences we've had,
1: right? It's like, the way I see it is like, there's doctrines or uh, ideologies. Like, there's so many out there. Even just in energy work, like, you can heal someone in a billion different ways. Uh, It's just different ways of organizing the same concept. Uh, It really seems that it's, it's the more consciousness we apply to something. And the more we feel like there's some kind of organization, the more like we can have, we have little markers to navigate it. And like this whole romance game seems like all these different terms that we give it, it almost seems like we are sorting Halloween candy in like a bunch of different ways. Right. Like we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure it out. It might just all be the same thing. Like it's the same matter. Like you've, you can sort it by like hard candies versus chocolate or like what color the wrapper is. Right. Uh, it's all the same candy, but like, it's really fun to like, this just could be consciousness is like, game of just twisting the little kaleidoscope just a little bit, right? Yes.
0: I was just going to fucking... Yeah, that's so much better than what I say. It's like we're experiencing things from every angle. So like you have this like thing with like none of the angles are correct. Mm-hmm. They are just all, aw- they yeah. just are. It's so just it's like, way of I, I'm going to experience being avoidant. I'm going to experience being anxious. I'm going to experience hacking anxiety. I'm going to experience hacking avoidance. I'm going to experience connection. I'm going to experience disconnection. I'm going to experience yeah codependency. I'm going to experience interdependency. And
1: Pontification. Like,
0: I'm going to pontificate <laughs> on my pontifications. <laughs> I feel like we could talk for a hundred hours <laughs> Have we done that already? It's been two hours. We did it. I have so much more to talk to you about, but um, we'll have to bring you back for another episode. Um, do you, you do energy work? Yes. Where can people find you? Do you do it remotely on the phone or anything? I do. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. I honestly, it at this point, like it really doesn't make a huge difference. I think, like,
0: yeah, you did some wild shit with me over the. phone. <laughs> oh wait, that sounded. <laughs> like more of my lesbian oh, that stuff was, yeah that was
1: when we talked about missions uh what huh? <laughs> so I'm just gonna i like a tank top underneath this shirt or something <laughs> no um yeah so you can find me at tessie.frequencies so t-e-s-s-i-e.frequencies I like it's kind of more just like a personal like I have some energy stuff there's music stuff and drawing stuff and I would love to find a way to like bring all of those worlds together. I also A do, lot like, of people are doing that. Yeah. I would love to, because for me, like art and music have been, I was very numbed out. Like I didn't have access to my emotions. Art and music were like the only way for me to access my emotions for a long time. And even still, like I could go like months without touching a guitar, guitar and then I'll have like a feeling and I'm just like write a whole song out. And it's just like, wow, purge. Okay, done. And it, Not a bad song. You know, like it just comes out really quick and it, I could write it in 20 minutes. Uh, and it, that's how I function. Like that's how I process things. Uh, so I would love to right now, like my energy work is huge on just identifying patterns for people. It's doing a lot of that work where we're just having a conversation. And then I am actually looking at like tapping into their energy like I did with you and kind of identifying. It's just like a fast track where we don't have to do as much dialogue because I can just be like, "Hey, like this is what's going on with you." We don't have to do the pontification Whole thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh and um but I would love to uh marry those things together.
0: I am was- naming this episode pontificating on patterns <laughs> Yay.
1: Yes. um i also am involved in like artificial intelligence and that's a whole nother world god we have 10 episodes to do i know but i do yeah like I, my passion is just consciousness and finding ways to help people uh just deal with their shit like I love it. Get people out of their suffering.
0: I love it. Maybe I'll come back over uh, Friday morning and we'll do a Patreon episode because I do want to talk about AI stuff. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, If you want a reading, it's jessareed.com. The Patreon is starting to be really popping. So for $5 a month, you get two bonus episodes, which will keep you warm while you're waiting for me to eventually get an episode out here. For $10 a month, you get those two bonus episodes, and then there's four general readings. So every week, Friday-ish, I do just a general reading for the patrons, and so there's usually some pretty personal messages there. I've had people cancel their, like, booked reading because I hit, I did, yeah, so um, that's a good option for people who don't have money for an actual reading, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um for a personal reading. And then for $20 a month, you get those things. Plus I do a live video, um, like a, like a YouTube or, you know, we do it over YouTube, but like a live where we're all kind of in a chat room together and then I'm on the video and then you can ask questions or we can discuss stuff. That's been like lately. I do that for like an hour or two hours. Um, usually around an hour, but they've gone as long as two hours. And, um, so that's another way of just like, you know, you know, everyone, uh, keeping in touch and and having conversations about stuff like that. And that for $20 a month, you get all of that. And then, um, the website's not up yet, but we've already been, you know, kind of using some of the money from that to help provide like readings and mental health services and stuff to people who, uh, are going to the awakening and, and need access to that and don't have money. So that's kind of what I'm doing with it. With the Patreon money. So, um, and that is patreon.com forward slash, I guess. I've been saying backslash, whatever. <laughs> Jessa Reed, you can just search it on Patreon. And um, there is a Discord server. You have to get to the Facebook group to get it. Blah, blah, blah.
1: Jessa is a lesbian.
0: i may maybe a lesbian. I don't know. I haven't unpacked it yet. We'll see. Maybe. what? Maybe I don't want to commit.
1: No, why should you? I really sure want to
0: name this, Jessa, as a lesbian. I but know. I'm going to, it has to be pontificating <laughs> on patterns. Um, and then uh, Jessa Read Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. And that's where you can see a lot of um, the material before I release it on the podcast. So uh, coming up, I have a show in Phoenix, Cincinnati. I always do this Phoenix, Cincinnati. I'm going to Houston to do skank fest. Doesn't that sound spiritual (laughs) and I'm getting ready to book a whole tour because last night I did my hour and it was good and now I'm going to book a whole tour. So that'll be up on my website soon. I think I still have like more of the methods dates up there, but, um, all right, that's it. Thank you very much. Have a great night. And I will bring her back soon.